Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is the 13th of March. It is Paul Clark's birthday today, and there you have it. We started celebrating yesterday, and I wanted to apologize for yesterday's show because yesterday's show, for whatever reason, did not record. Um, it didn't download. I tried downloading it. I went to iTunes. I went back to Blog Talk, and for some reason, I don't know what happened at Blog Talk, but it didn't record. It was, you know, now I could say whatever I want. A great show. But actually, it was a good show about the difference between relationships and friendships and why friendships have the wings they do. Not that relationships don't, but why a friendship does. And we talked about that, and I will write the seven steps I was going to do it last night. However, my son left to baseball. So he went to Royal Land yesterday in the morning. And I had a big luncheon for a group called the City of Hope that does cancer research at noon. And then I got home and I fell asleep at four o'clock in the afternoon. And I stayed asleep until four o'clock this morning. I don't think I moved except to get off the couch and go into my bed. Um, I was tired and I was holding my breath until we got everything done. And I knew that he was on his way. And for whatever reason, I just went down. So I knew I had to wake up. I set my alarm for four o'clock this morning to write up the show, which I've never gotten to bed, not written up the show before the show, but I did that yesterday. So what an interesting time. And in all of that, um, today's show is recording. But today's show, I got to say, you know, we always talk about relationships. But when we talk about the beginning of the beginning, why are you there? What do you want? When you meet people, why are you willing to give so much latitude for things you normally wouldn't accept? And it says, does love have motives in relationships? Well, it's going to have something. And then when I tell you what Christ said, probably we'll all get to laugh at ourselves. But I wrote a quote on Facebook that says, love in relationships is strongest when the love you feel easy enough. If you don't love yourself, you can't love others. And if you don't feel love for yourself and somebody picks up on that, They can't even help it. They will respond to that, and then they will wonder what they're missing, that you don't love yourself, but that they love you, if that makes any sense. And then if you do love them more than they love themselves, conflicts will start because they will become rebellious to you for loving them. And, you know, people say, but I love them. I don't know why they're so mean to me. Well, they're mean to you because they don't love themselves and they basically don't respect the fact that you love them even though they want you to love them and then you're going back and forth for the rest of the time of the existence of that relationship because the one thing we cannot do for anybody 
is love them for them. We cannot love them more than they love themselves. Now, with kids, we do it because kids already love themselves. They never thought not to. And we love them a ton, but we can love them forever deeply because we have known them from the point of their depth of love as well. Because children just love and love and love, and they don't know any different. And so we are allowed to love them so much and be ourselves with them. And that's why it's so hard for us to hear things happening to young children, because we already know that. But now we're getting adults who've been injured, pushed, and prodded throughout life, and we meet them as a partner, and we don't know what pushed and prodded them, and now we have to deal with the injured love. So we can only love them as much as they allow us to love them. And I really hope that makes sense because that's behind a lot of stuff. And if it didn't make sense to you and this show recorded, listen to that part because it'll tell you why you are in certain places, why you put up with things. And and there were times I did put up with things because I thought love was one of those things where you're almost like a sacrificial lamb. You want to go in and change the world, make people's lives better. And that was my motive. My motives were that if I was there, that their life was better because I loved them. But then I realized that I could not do that. What that did to me was that opened me up to allowing people to hurt me, even though they didn't know, they knew at some level, but they didn't know that hurting another person was disrespecting the parts of me that I disrespected by accepting that behavior. So we have to really think about that because now that I can see it, the minute I even start to hear those words that come at you with disrespect, I shut, I shut off. I don't even want to hear the rest of it because I already know where it's going. So Christopher Sedre writes to the quote, love in relationships is strongest when the love you feel for others and feel for you, that you feel for yourself too He writes, what is love in a relationship without motive? Can there be love in a relationship without any incentive, without wanting something for oneself out of love? Can there be in a relationship love in which there is no sense of getting hurt when love is not returned? If you understand, the answer is there. If we understand is the bigger thing because what we understand and what our emotions do are two different stories. If someone else came to us and told us what they were encountering in a relationship, we would be like, oh, heck no. There is no way I would do that. But if you're the one involved, you start making up excuses for the person or, you know, they've been through a lot. Well, if they've been through a lot and they're still going through it, that means they haven't grown past it. And you may be able to help them do that, but I would not choose to do that within a relationship. I would be their friend first. Now, this is experience talking because I tried the other way. And you're not going to fix anybody. And you're not going to be able to help anybody who doesn't want help themselves. We can pretend, but those days are gone. We cannot do it. We can work with each other. We can't say, hey, we're going to work on this, and you both work on it. But if you get ahead of the other person, they're going to get resentful. And they're going to say, wait a minute, you're going too fast for me. Or 
they're going to say, well, you don't know that about me, and they're going to try to reclaim who they are because they don't know how to share that part of them because it's painful. And they may not want to go through that pain in front of you or with you once they get there. So be friends first in those cases. When someone tells you they're broken, believe them. When someone tells you they're really hurt, believe them. If someone has a lot of turnover in relationships, one month, two months, five months, every five months it turns over, every four months, shelf life relationships. That's going to be you for the most part if the issues in the other person are not solved or are not addressed because that part of it is the part where we come in hopeful, knight in shining armor wings. And I say knight in shining armor for both the woman and the man. Women take it on by trying to fix everything, take care of everything, make life easy for you, run your errands cook your food, clean the house, do this, do that, on top of working. And all the man has to do is come home and appreciate. How many of us have done that as women? How many men received that as men? But when you both do things, then when you do do something, there's an appreciation for you and for it whatever it is you do. So let's pay attention to what our motives are in love because we do have motives. We want to be loved for it because of our motives was my question to Christ. What do we have to do for love and why do we do it? The only thing Christ said today, which was, it, it, like, made me pause. And then I went, oh, why didn't someone tell me this? But I wasn't supposed to know. So that was my answer to myself. But he said that love is not up for negotiation. Really think about that. Love is not up for negotiation. It's there. Whatever we decide to slap on top of it, like a sandwich with whatever toppings you want to put on, whatever topping you put on that piece of bread, think about that. So my question, anyone who's listening today, my question to you is, what do you slap on top of love? What do we expect, need, want, desire back when we are in love with someone? Because we can't just want someone there or want someone to fill us, to know that person and be attracted to them and desire them in conversation and emotional intimacy and physical intimacy. There's so many avenues. But there is something about understanding that love is not up for negotiation. Love is love is love. It is the relationships that are different. So if you are in a relationship right now and you are able to love yourself while sharing 
your life with someone. Nobody's putting you down. Nobody's making you question who you are or why you are the person you are. You're just who you are, down to the core. There's nothing you have to hide. There's nothing you have to worry about. You're just good down to the core in your own heart without the other person knowing because nobody has to know. You don't have to prove anything when you love somebody. There is no fear and doubt and worry that is running and fueling the relationship. You will understand how love isn't up for negotiation. You just love that person. It's not, I love you until you do something I don't like. It's not, I love you unless you give me something I do like. It's not, I love you until the other shoe drops. It's just a flat out, I love you. Everything isn't, well, this doesn't work out. It's how are we going to do this? And you understand the team part of being in a relationship and then the individual part, what you bring to yourself in this relationship. How are you able to flourish? Because if you're a 411 or a 911, you're just information only or you're emergency only, that's not a relationship. That's a dependency allowing someone to depend on you and feeling needed for it. That's why I say if there's a lot of issues in a relationship and the issues are not being solved and the other person is guilting you into staying or making you feel bad if you leave them in such a distress, you have to ask yourself how the combination of the two of you allowed that distress to live. And also to understand that the combination of the two of you wasn't enough to overcome the distress. And when I say distress, I'm talking about maybe addictions and drug dependencies and things that are hurtful to the family. One parent hurting the children, one parent, you know, taking things out on the children. Everybody's getting destroyed within this family structure, within the four walls of that. Now you need outside help and you need to assess how much danger is danger. But putting all that aside, because if that's, if that's happening, that's an entire different thing. Because I know there's people who always will say that one thing that could happen outside of the box. But love is not up for negotiation. It's either there or it's not. And if it's there, If love is there, it will try through its power, through its magic, through its energy, other souls. And if the other soul fights you sometimes, and I know this is going to be probably the harshest thing, hardest thing to do, is to walk away instead of engage. Because what will happen is the other person will actually learn from you by you not being there. That's why there's a reason for everything. But if the other person says, wow, I had a great opportunity with this person, but they couldn't stay because of what I slapped on top of love. Because in the beginning, that's why we're there. We're there to make these choices. And over time, we get enough experience to know what we can do and what we can't, can involve ourselves. But to just come in and take over someone's problems for them will never work. It'll seem really welcome in the beginning, but then you have a very needy relationship. 
And then one day you're going to wake up and go, oh, my God, this is just too much. It's hard for me to live my own life and somebody else's instead of we're sharing our lives together. So that one sentence, love is not up for negotiation, keeps me wondering because just that, you think, well, what do I want from love? Somebody that you're attracted to. You have to ask yourself, when I first meet people, am I overly attracted to them? Are they overly attractive to me? Will I do anything for them before I even know them? Do I think, gosh, someone who looks like that has got to be great? And you overlook, do you overlook behaviors that you wouldn't accept anywhere else? Or behaviors that have red flag all over them in the beginning? Do you, instead of jumping in without knowing all the contents of that person's soul, and it's not like you have to know everything, but at least how they love? Because you have to be careful about the pedestal thing. When we meet people, we put them all the way up there because we don't know anything about them yet. And until they actually do something to us, everything they say, we almost forgive and, and excuse. Like, yeah, I hurt my last partner. I'm really sorry about it now. The fact that they say that, and, and I have to put this out there because it happens like a confessional at times with a person who possesses symptoms of narcissism where they will tell you everything because they're in a hurt mode and they'll tell you everything they did. And the other one, I lied. I I cheated. I wasn't very nice. Told her I'm sorry. I told her I won't do it again. But really what happened is, is he was still in the phase of fear, doubt, worry, and controlling guilt on himself. It has nothing to do with her. It's just that he doesn't like that his life changed. And now he's in the process of replacing her without healing because he can interchange people that quickly. That's a red flag. That red flag, I did not see coming. I thought, oh, wow, poor guy. And he's so honest and he's so humble. And I, I, I like honesty. I like humble. But I also knew in my gut, in that back part of my heart, that one day, that man is going to be talking about me like that. And in a weird way, very weird way, you think that you're going to be the one that isn't going to get talked about like that because you really believe in love. Well, you can believe in whatever you want to believe in, but if the other person doesn't believe in love the same way and looks at love differently, it's going to be a high Mount Klein every single day because it's already been set up from that beginning that this poor man went through such a thing and you will never let that happen. You will not be the person who walks away. And they find out you're not the person who walks away. You're the person who runs away because you can only live your own life. And you can assist and help other people, but you cannot do their work for them. 
if there's one thing I will ever say, do you have a motive in a relationship? If you think someone's going to save you, help you every day, take over all of the stuff that worries you, heals whatever's inside of you, you have to know that that actually can happen or it's not going to happen and you are going to be disappointed. My high need for a sense of family made me want to believe people. That was my motive. If I could say I had a motive. But that's a motive in a relationship. That's not love. To get to love, we have to have cleaned all that up to get to love without motives. Relationships that don't have motives behind them. And when you get there, you actually know it. And there is a freedom, a breath you take all the way down to your toes when you feel that love without motive, when love is not up for negotiation. It's a very, I want to say, fine, subtle, hard thing to grasp. I know men who will put up with anything to have a physical partner and not have to go out looking for it all the time. And they'll tell me that. They're clear. They tune out the rest of it. And they're willing to put up with that so that they themselves do not have to deal with going out and roaming the streets or going to bars or going to dating sites. They figure, well, I've got someone and they want to be here. And if I hear that one more time, it'll just drive me crazy, but I understand it. At whatever point of evolution we are at, we will always have some kind of motive in a relationship until we understand that love is not up for negotiation. We make deals until we get there, if we get there in our lifetimes. But just having these conversations about relationships, about why we're there, what we're doing there, what we want from there. Because I really, really wanted to do a show, and I, I haven't gotten together with my mind yet on it, to do a show on being single. And being single for a while as an adult. And not being with another adult, living with another adult that you get to know and you make a choice. Because if you've been single for a while, you will know that inviting anybody into your life will be different than when you're younger and you're going from your parents to a partner. You're so used to people in your house. Somebody comes into your home. You go into their home. You can adapt and adjust. You also know if you've been married for a while or with a partner for a while and you go out into the world, it's easy to plug someone in because you're already used to shared space. When you've been single for a while and you've kind of built a pretty darn good life, you're happy. You've learned to be happy with yourself. You've learned to enjoy your own company. You've learned to enjoy if you have children coming in and out, friendships coming in and out, occasional dating coming in and out. You, you adapt. But what happens is 
once you've been single for a while and you go out and you meet people, you start to ask yourself the exact questions that Christ is bringing up to light today. That love is not for negotiation. You either feel a nice, clean, warm feeling of companionship, of a give and take, of an energy exchange that flows easily. When you feel that, you can stay forever because every day becomes without time. There's a thing where you feel time and you don't, where you're excited rather than nervous. There's a different, I want to say, element to how that feels, where you feel like You can't imagine your life without that person over time as opposed to whether or not you should be with them. Your questions become different. You become different. It's an amazing leap of faith in life when you've been single for a while and you start to understand, wow, well, the perfect person for me would be someone who does sleep early, who does like to wake up early, who does like to socialize, but also likes time out for themselves and for you and for each other. That that's equally as important, those three factors. You get time alone, you spend time together, and you're social. And you say, okay, that would be the perfect situation. Well, once you define that in your heart and in your mind, The people you meet will possess those qualities because they exist, but you are now exchanging energy with that existence, so it is allowed now to present itself to you. It's a very interesting thing. And so then you understand that your motive, because everyone's going to have some kind of motive, is to have a good relationship, but it has nothing to do with the love. The love has to be felt and that part is not up for negotiation but in a relationship we do plugging someone in is putting up with anyone to get what you want but a fit is actually asking questions and knowing is that person good for me good for my life not just putting them through a vetting period of oh well they won't they won't do this and they won't do that Okay, as long as they don't do those three things, I'll put up with anything else. And then there you are in a relationship that isn't as great as you would want it to be. And when you start to know that and really start to see evidence of it, it's hard to stay. But when you see evidence of it the other way, where you feel more comfortable, more trusting over time, Because there's some relationships you're in that no matter what you do, no matter how good you are, every day is a brand new day and you're being judged every day. And then there's others that say, gosh, you've done so much and we've done so much and we've had such a great life. And time you go to bed at night, you say, gosh, thank you for being here. I'm really happy you're in my life. And I love you so much. And I am the luckiest man in the whole world or I'm the luckiest girl in the whole world. And If you can feel those things, that's when you know. Not when you say them because you think they should be said. When you feel them, it's an entirely different paradigm, entirely different thought 
area in your head that opens up. So the biggest takeaway, thank you, Christopher, for your question in relationships is strongest when the love you feel for others, you feel for yourself too. Because then you are allowed, think about that one, allowed to enjoy the love you feel for yourself the way you would single in a relationship. And that's when you know you have a connection. So that's a big one for today. I am going to hold on to that one forever. You guys, I love you. I will see you tomorrow on Dream Theme Thursday. Send in your dreams. I'll post up the show. And I'm sorry yesterday's didn't record. I hope today's did. Thank you. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.